after Easter. It's been our tradition, as you see in the program in the middle there, reasons why we do stories from the seats. And we do this because, as Paul said, we not only want to share the good news of Jesus with people, but our very lives as well and how he's worked in our lives. And we have the opportunity this morning to hear a story uh, from someone in our church family who attends Lincoln Center. And the story is a powerful story of God at work in her life, over the course of her life, bringing her to where she is today. And I want to encourage you just to sit back and, and relax and listen. She's going to tell you a lot about herself. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her family before she comes up. Her name is Angie Deacon. Angie and her husband, Randy, live on a farm between Dyke and Grundy Center. Angie works in food service at the University of Northern Iowa. Randy farms and works part-time for Remington Seeds. They both enjoy running. Angie enjoys it more than Randy. They participate in several 5Ks, half marathons, and even marathons. Angie's run two and Randy one. They're both on the leadership team at our Lincoln Center campus there, and they have four children. Jonathan is 26, a graduate of the University of Northern Iowa, works for Becker Painting, and is a junior high basketball and baseball coach at Dyke New Hartford Schools. He's a member of the leadership team at Lincoln Center campus and spends his spare time working on his house and watching sports. Christina is 23 and will graduate in May from the University of Iowa with a degree in athletic training. She currently works part-time at the physical therapy clinic at the University of Iowa Hospital. She enjoys being outside, fishing, spending time with Jared. And on a side note, she loves to clean and organize. Sarah is 22 and will graduate in May from the University of Northern Iowa with a degree in applied physics and mathematics. She currently works part-time in the tutoring center on campus for math and science students. She loves to run, ice climb, and she enjoys cheering on the Cubs, which can be a discouraging proposition, I think. Danae is 19 and a freshman at UNI. Danae works on the operations staff at the Cedar Falls campus of Orchard. She plays saxophone in the bands at UNI. Enjoys camping, climbing, watching movies, eating, sleeping, reading mass amounts of books, and probably everything you could do except running. (laughs) She's also going to be in the play that our church is helping to sponsor coming up here soon. So that's a little bit about Angie's family. I do want to encourage you just to listen to her story and even be prayerful as you listen. And be thankful for God's grace. I want to say a prayer as Angie comes up here. Father, we thank you for Angie's life. And as we listen to her tell about it from her perspective now, uh, we're mindful that uh, you watch over everything. And some things we don't understand. We can't get our minds around. But we trust that you and your word have said you're good. And you work all things for good. Help us keep that in mind as we listen to Angie's story. Amen. Good morning. I would like to thank you for this opportunity to share my story with you. Recently, our small group that we have um, finished a book, The Study, The Power of the Whisper by Bill Hybels. In this book, it talks about listening for God to speak to us. Well, that's the reason I'm here. God kept whispering. When I was contemplating whether this was really a whisper from God, Bob Tapper, who led our lessons, said to me, well, it passes the five filters. And for those who have read the book, it talks about the five filters you should go through to decide if the whisper you're hearing is really from God. Well, it was from God, so here I am. 
My name is Angela Laurie Day Deacon. I was born March 12th of 1962. That means I'm 51, so you don't have to do the math. In Waverly, Iowa, to Jack Elphis and Shirley Catherine Craft Day. I'm the middle child in a large family. The oldest in my family is a brother, Derek. I have two older sisters, Terry and Carrie. Three younger sisters, Jill, Kathy, Michelle. The youngest of my family is a brother, John. I also have two sisters who are deceased, Judith and Sharon. One died after two weeks of life and one died at birth. When I think back to the beginning of my journey, my life story, it started with elementary school. I was a very shy, quiet, and withdrawn little girl. Hard for some people to believe now. I was scared to go to school, but most of all, I was scared to be at home. I grew up on a dairy farm, so when I was not in school, and as far back as I can remember, we worked. Whether it was helping with the milking before and after school, cleaning the barn gutters in the buildings, feeding the cattle, bottle feeding the baby calves, helping with baling hay and straw during the summer months, working in the large garden, there was always work to do. My dad had told us, and he felt like he had had children so they could work. We were not allowed to be in the house during the day. There was always work to be done. All of the family worked on the farm, and if you were caught sitting down, my dad would call us lazy. We moved around a lot while I was in elementary, but always to a dairy farm. That was until junior high age. Nights at home were spent helping with supper, doing the dishes, laundry, cleaning, and then if there was time, you could do your homework. My dad was a very mean person. My mom was quiet and very submissive, but to a fault. My dad was an abusive man. We as kids were either beat, slapped, or kicked at least once a day. It could be just because we walked past my dad, and he would hit us on the head. As children, we were to be seen and not heard. My mother never stopped my dad. She was afraid of him also. My dad was asked us a question, and if we answered incorrectly, we would be hit. The first thing I ever learned about this guy called a God was when I lived by Riceville, Iowa. A pastor from a small church in Leroy, Minnesota, would come and visit us. My dad told him he was not going to church. There was no hope for him because he knew he was going to hell anyway. The pastor asked our parents if we could attend Sunday school. My parents said yes, but only if our morning chores were done. This pastor would come and pick us up and take us to Sunday school. I remember him being a very kind man, and that's where I first learned anything about Sunday school. We left Riceville and moved back to Nashua. Moving around meant I never made too many friends. We were very poor, like I said. My mom either made our dresses for school or we wore hand-me-downs. We also only had one pair of shoes or boots. So the same shoes, clothes, boots that were worn in the barn, we also wore to school. It wasn't long before we became known as the stinky, dirty kids in the class. So I'm pretty sure I probably was the stinkiest and dirtiest kid in my elementary class. Other points I can remember that there was never an I love you or a hug from my parents. We didn't have birthday celebrations. There was no birthday cakes, no gifts or parties. Christmas never consisted of a wish list. We hoped we could get at least one gift. And the real meaning of Christmas was never mentioned or celebrated. Things at our house got steadily worse. There was financial troubles. My dad got meaner, and he was drinking more by this time. My mom seemed more withdrawn and just kept to herself. She just seemed to be going through the motions. Our family moved to Dyke just before my freshman year of high school. 
My parents had filed bankruptcy and they were running away from their problems, I felt once again. My dad took a job at John Deere and with that job came health and dental insurance for the first time. But my dad didn't keep that job very long. My mom took a job working at the nursing home in Rhinebeck third shift as a CNA. My dad's drinking got worse. My mom was also drinking more by this time. I was very scared to be at home. You never wanted to be at home by yourself with my dad. He was a very abusive man. I remember being scared most of the time at home. I cried and I felt dirty like the abuse was my fault somehow. My dad was evil and my siblings and I suffered because of it. I didn't know if there was such a thing as a God, but I prayed so hard that my dad would die. I wished that he would never be there when I got home from school. And I really thought there must not be a God because my dad was always there. I questioned why didn't God take my dad from this family? My family would be so happy without him around. After we moved to Dyke and we no longer lived on a dairy farm, my dad allowed us to go out for one sport. I went out for track, and then later I was allowed to go out for cross country, and I loved it. I was used to working hard on the farm, so I worked even harder at practices. My first coach, Bill Hinkle, was very encouraging. My track coach, my junior and senior year, Lynn Lovell, encouraged us to work hard, to do our best, and feel proud about what we accomplish. That's the first time I'd ever heard that. I loved it when I was at practice, but we always had to go home at night. When I was a junior in high school, a social worker visited with me at school. I was very scared, and I denied any abuse. I think it was either my coaches or teachers who had called DHS because of bruises on my face and the extreme fear they knew I had of my dad. He would pick us up from practice. We better be ready when he got there to pick us up. One time, practice ran long, and he had to wait for my sister Jill and myself. We got in so much trouble, and we were not allowed to go to practice for the rest of the week. It was a week before our district cross-country meeting. Our coaches were a little upset. They tried asking us why we were not at practice and always said that our dad would not let us go, period. There were times in my high school years that I would call out to God that if he wasn't going to take my dad from this family, just take me away from this place. But I always had my sisters. When I was 16, I took a job at the barn coffee shop washing dishes for $1.75 an hour, and I purchased my first pair of real running shoes. My sisters and I also worked in the fields during the summer and walked beans and tassel corn to make money. Later, my sister Carrie purchased a car, and she would give us a ride from school or practices. I still didn't know about a personal savior. My sister Carrie and my sister Kathy had started attending church with a neighbor of ours, Burl and Bernice Dodd. Since my dad had no job, he took to buying cars, turning the odometer back, and he would sell them to make money. Well, he eventually got caught and he was sent to prison. About this time, my mother went to Hawkeye Community College to become an LPN and later continued to be an RN. I carried on about my youth, but that's part of who made me what I am today. After high school graduation, I took a job in Cedar Falls as a county clerk And as soon as I could, I moved to an apartment in Cedar Falls. Every weekend, I would go to my sister Carrie and her husband Al's home. I would do my laundry for free. And then I started to go to church with them on Sunday mornings at Lincoln Center. After about a year of attending church with them, I started helping my sister Carrie with the young girls group at church. Also at this church was this guy I graduated from high school with. Is that picture up there yet? (laughs) 
Okay. Thank you, Randy. That was before the weight room ever was popular. <laughs> well, I started dating Randy, and I thought my life couldn't get better. Randy came from a normal, loving Christian family. His siblings and his mother accepted me for who I was. They made me feel like I mattered, and they spent a lot of time with me. While I was attending church with my sister Carrie, I decided to ask Jesus into my life. I knew I wanted my life to be different than my parents. John 3.16 said that God so loved the world that he gave his only son for me. That if I believed in him, I would not perish, but that I could have eternal life. I started taking a class once a week with a summer intern that our church had at that time. We would meet for our weekly meetings at Herman and Mary DeBerg's home. Mary would make us a great meal. Then afterwards, Nick and I would discuss the Bible and what God meant for our life. Herman and Mary treated me like I was part of their family. Herman even co-signed for me so I could purchase my first car. I continued to date Randy, and we were married in July of 84. I was part of this awesome family, and I felt like my dreams had come true. Shortly after I was married, I also attended an adult Sunday school class with two other young, newly married women. This class was taught by Pat Canigator. Pat started at square one with us, talking about God and who he is. She took so much time with us and was very patient with all our questions. I worked in Cedar Falls until January of 87, when our first child, Jonathan, was born. Then Christina was born in July of 89, Sarah in March of 91, and our youngest daughter, Danae, was born in October of 93. My life was full. My days were filled with trying to be a mother and a good wife. I loved it. I spent many hours volunteering at my children's elementary school, helping out at church. But I still did not understand what it meant to have a personal faith and how this Heavenly Father could really love me. I felt like I had to earn God's love and people's approval. I did whatever I could. I baked bars when they were needed. I attended any and all church services, women's groups. I thought anyone who is a Christian and loves God would do this. My husband and I served as youth group leaders at our church for over 20 years. I just kept thinking, surely this is what God wants me to do. It was during Randy's and mine years as youth group leaders that we started attending youth Bible campus counselors. I began to really understand who God is and what it really means to have him as your personal savior. We met some great teenagers and adults there, and we've made lifelong friendships. Our times at camp has always been a great week of getting away, getting closer to God, and watching teenagers' lives change for eternity. Much of my early married life was spent attending and following Randy around to softball games, baseball games, and most any sporting event. I really don't even like sports, but I thought surely this is what a good wife would do. In my married life, I had put Randy on a pedestal. I expected him to be my rock. I wanted him to be everything for me. Well, that was a problem. Randy's human. I know it's hard to believe, but he does have faults and he makes mistakes. I learned that I needed to rely on my Heavenly Father for my comfort and my guidance in my life. I was being very unfair to Randy. As my life continued, as a wife and mother of four children, many hours were spent reading Bible story books and singing Sunday school songs, practicing memory verses, spelling lists, driving children to practice as lessons, attending event after event after event. I took a job at Dykeno Hartford Schools and Food Service in 2002, and I loved it. I had great Christian people to work with, and I enjoyed seeing my children at school. 
most of the time. <laughs> In October of 2012, I took a job at UNI. God also has given me a great gift in a group of close Christian friends. In January of 2005, my mom passed away from lung cancer. My family and I had developed a great relationship with her. I realized that she had an awful married life, and she felt trapped and controlled by my dad. As time went on, I realized my children were getting older, their needs were changing, and I really felt God talking to me that I needed to develop a closer relationship with him. Another turning point in my faith came when Randy started attending the Wednesday evening men's group in Grundy. Just watching him grow in his faith has encouraged me to draw closer to God. On September 14th of 2011, my husband suffered a stroke. He spent four days in the hospital. And while we were in the emergency room first in Grundy Center with him that evening, we had family and an awesome group of Christian friends praying for him. A complete peace came over me. I knew God was in control. Whatever the outcome, it was going to be okay. We left Allen Hospital that Saturday afternoon. And September 25th, my husband ran the Quad Cities Marathon with our daughter Sarah and the Iowans for Africa team from Orchard Hill. God is indeed good. I believe that God has led me to the point, this point in my journey. There's so much excitement in my faith and my family's faith after becoming part of Orchard Hill. Our lives and our children's lives have been changed for eternity by attending the church services, big house, basic, mission trips, volunteer work, and their small groups. The years of my childhood still scar my life now. It's hard for me to share my frustrations or problems with Randy, and I keep things bottled up inside. I still have nightmares and times of being unable to sleep at night, but I know that God is always there with me, and he's going to protect me. As I look back over my journey... I've made so many mistakes with my children and my marriage and my Christian walk. I wish I could have some do-overs. I feel saddened at times when I hear my children sit around and say, Mom, I remember when you said that. I remember. I can't believe you did that. But by the grace of God, I'm still their mom. I'm human. I politely remind them of that. God is so good. He's given me a great family to be a part of. Well, back to my siblings. I have a great friendship with all of them. My sisters are my best friends. We know that we made it through our childhood because God gave us each other. We all had a great relationship with our mother. She divorced my dad shortly after he went to prison. Then shortly after my mom passed away, my dad was released from prison. He had suffered a small stroke in prison and had some other health issues. He was moved into an assisted living facility in Nashua, Iowa. A few of my siblings, Randy and myself, visit him from time to time. He is a very lonely old man. I pray for him. And if God would want him to be in heaven someday, that God will send someone to tell him about a Savior. And that if God wants me to be that person, he would have to give me the words to say. In closing of my story, I want to thank Ted Hamer and Sue Trunk, who led our Emerging Journey class, for challenging us to look back at our life journey and to look at how God works in our lives. I'm so thankful for all the awesome friends I made while I took this class. There are times when I still wonder how this God who can move mountains allows things to happen to children. I know there are things I'll never understand or have answers for, but maybe in heaven. National statistics show that one in three girls 
and one in five boys will be abused before the age of 18. If you suspect or know of an abuse situation, you need to report it. And if you are a victim of abuse, know that it's not your fault. Tell an adult you can trust. And with God, you can overcome your past, whatever that may be. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'll close with John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome. Thank you for listening to my story. My prayer for each of you is that our loving God will be your personal Savior and your guide for your walk here on earth. Well, we just appreciate you taking the time to do all that work through the leadership class, write it out, and then the courage to come share it. I know a few years ago I mentioned at the Lincoln Center service, a book came out and said everybody's normal until you get to know them. You're exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we meet people in church and we see their face and, you know, we we have no idea what their story is. Right. And so we just appreciate you sharing your story. We want to say a prayer for you and your family and together let's do that. Father, we're mindful today that uh, the very hairs on our head are numbered, that you see everything. And as we listen to this story, it's it's really hard for us to understand, as Angie said, how you allow things to ha- happen, but yet you're still good, and you're working for good in all things. And we thank you for the testimony Angie can bring and how you've helped her overcome and keep moving forward and where she's at in life. We thank you for your grace that covers all of our lives. No matter what's happened in them or what's happened to us or things that we've done, we praise you for grace this morning, that you come to us through the gift of your Son, Jesus. Pardon us from our sins and then work to heal us, encourage us, and strengthen us. I pray you continue to do this for Angie, for her children, for her family, for Randy. Help them keep pursuing and walking faithfully with you. And then the same for each of us, maybe some of us who don't even know you today, that in our hearts we would have that hunger and that longing to reach out to you. Say, God, I want to know you, as Angie's gotten to know you over the course of her life. I want to learn to walk with you and know your love in an ever-increasing way. Keep sharing that with us in our hearts, Lord, even as we worship you in song. In Christ's name, amen.